Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You are listening to part three of our series, Growing Pains. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. James, chapter three, verse 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But, If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, notice the quotation marks, does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Happy Halloween, people. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. I I wanna speak today on the subject of bitter bones bitter bones. Come on, can we put our hands together for the worship team, for the Lord. You guys can find a seat this morning. Come on, is there anyone excited to be at church at 11 o'clock on a fine Sunday afternoon? We are uh, in week three of a series called Growing Pains, and we have one big thought in the series. It is simply this, Growth is good, and growth is painful. That's the big thought of the series. Growth is good, and growth is painful. So today, as I promised, there's going to be a little bit of pain. Now, it's not the kind of pain to hurt you. I'm hoping it's the kind of pain that's going to heal you. So, one of the things that you're going to have a tendency to do, we read the text, you might see where I'm going. Uh, In a message like today, one called Bitter Bones, There's a tendency in all of us to look at someone else in our life and think, this is for them. This is for that person, for my spouse, for my ex. Uh, Today's message in our hearts, let this message be a mirror. And what I mean by that is that I want us to look into today, into ourselves, and ask God, what do you have for me? Um, It's going to be painful, but it's going to be good. Does that sound good? So one of the things that I like to do in my life for entertainment um, is I'll peruse Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, and I'll read the comments. Anyone get entertainment by reading comments online? First tough, a few people uh, I always find is fun because people say the dumbest things. Uh, and a lot of times they forget. Everyone else can see them. So one of the things that I do, again, for my own entertainment is if I see something funny uh, online or Uh, Facebook, Instagram, wherever in the comments, I'll take a screenshot. And if it's something really funny, like I'll send it to my family or to Christy or whoever in hopes to get a laugh. Sometimes, though, I take screenshots because I think to myself, ooh, there's a lesson in here, and one day I'm going to teach this somewhere. So the screenshot of the comment that I'm sharing with you guys today is one that I thought to myself, one day I'm going to share this with someone. 
you guys are the people today. How amazing is that? Now, I don't have a picture of the screenshot because I didn't want to do the whole, like, blur out the guy's name, whatever. So I'm just going to read you the comment. Now, I, I took a screenshot of the comment. I don't even remember the post, to be honest. Uh, but the nature of the comment that you're about to read is this guy is describing why he has no friends. Now, usually, that would bring me to a place of sympathy, someone that has no friends. However, uh, let's just read the comment. This is what he said. He said, I've realized that there are only two types of people, those who follow God and are with God, and sadly, all the others who are with Satan. There's no middle ground. The middle ground is owned by Satan, and this is why I don't have any friends, because they can't handle the truth in every aspect of the truth. Every so-called friend of mine was a user, a gossiper, a liar, sexually immoral, in brackets, checking out women, just so we knew, um, drunkards, so on, and so forth. This was the comment I took a screenshot of, and I laughed to myself. Now, if you didn't understand the essence of what he's saying, he's saying, listen, in life there's two people, those that follow God, those that don't. I agree with him in that point. <laughs> then he says, in essence, I follow God. The rest of the people don't. That's why I have no friends. Um, and again, kind of funny. Uh, and a lot of us looking at this, thinking like that's kind of extreme. Uh, where are you going with this, Pastor? Um, what I realized is you may not be that extreme in terms of like I have no friends because everyone's the worst. But if we're being honest, a lot of us take a similar heart posture in our lives. And what I mean by that is this. We say to ourselves, my life is the way that it is because of other people. Everyone awake today? Many of us take the posture, I am the way I am because of my parents, because of my boss, because of my spouse, because of my ex, because of my last church. I am the way I am because of someone else. We may not be extreme as this guy on Facebook, but a lot of us have the same posture in our hearts. And what I want us to understand today is when we take a posture of blame, what we don't realize is that we give up complete control over our future. You see, here's what I believe to be true. I believe every single one of us in this room, regardless of who you are, regardless of where you've come from, God has a great plan for your life. There is something in you. Every single one of us has a great and distinct calling. Every single one of us in this room, you are called to produce something good. But what I believe to be true is that far too many of us, what stalls our callings, what stalls the plans that God has for us is we live with a posture of blame. And instead of moving forward, instead of pursuing healing, we get stuck in the past that affects the present because there's someone I can blame for why my life is the way it is. Here's what I want to do today. I want to free us in order that we can live the life that God wants us to live. And ultimately, a lot of times in church we talk about losing control and giving it to God, which, which I believe to be true. But today, I want us actually to learn how to take back some control that we've given away simply by having a posture of blame. Can we do that today? 
Come on, 11 o'clock, you're allowed to say yes. You can, you can, you can make some noise. This is, a, this is a feedback kind of thing. So today, I have a very practical message, very practical, very painful. Come on, somebody. So I got three points and three questions. That's the message. I got three questions and a point to go along with each question. Now, I say this every single week, but I mean it doubly today. The reason the lights are on is not actually so we can see each other. It is so you can take great notes. I want you to understand, God's going to speak to you today, but I actually happen to believe, especially, you're going to see this at the end of the message, God wants to speak most clearly to you probably like on Wednesday. So the notes that I take today, the, the, the level of my lean-in today is going to produce the level of freedom that we see on the other side. So I say that all to say, every single person in this room, bring a notepad to church next week if you don't already, or bring your phone. Right? Show me a person whose phone note app is empty, and I'll show you someone whose soul is empty. So uh, take great notes today. Now you guys are awake. Let's go. So everyone's taking notes. We're going to go to James chapter 3 today. Before we get into it, I'll give us a little bit of context about the book of James. Uh, if you do not know this, uh, James is found in the New Testament. The New Testament uh, is the second half of our Bible. It is after the time of Jesus. And the book of James was actually written by a man named James, hence the name James. Come on, somebody, you're learning today. Uh, this book, James, and the man who wrote it, James is actually the half-brother of Jesus. Kind of cool. Now, some of you guys are like, half-brother, what does that mean? Well, same mamas, different daddies. Making sense? Jesus' dad was ask your neighbor, um, or come, come to foundations tomorrow. So uh, James, James's dad is Joseph. Jesus' dad is not Joseph. Anyways, you guys were looking real blank there, so I'll, I'll explain it for you. Uh, now, book of James, this is so rich. I might come back to it uh, in this series because there's so much growth in it. Uh, I just happen to believe, like, if you want to grow in your life, just, just start in James, and you'll get slapped around for, for four chapters. It's a really good book. Um, and I think the book of James also is a great apologetics lesson. Um, a lot of people will go to great lengths to try to prove that Jesus was who he says he is, right? You might read books, courses, all that stuff. I will give you a simple reason why Jesus is the son of God, why he is God. You want me to tell you how I know he's God? His brother believed him. <laughs> it is simple as that. If you can convince your brother that you are God, you are indeed God. That's, that's it. I saved you 20 books about the validity of the resurrection. Listen, James, his brother, believed he was God. He's God. Come on, somebody. So it's a great book. We're going to study it today, and it's going to rock our lives. James 3, verse 13 says this. It says, who is wise and understanding among you. So this is important. He's asking a hypothetical question. In the larger context of the book, he's talking about teachers and controlling your tongue, all of these things. So he says, listen, for those of you guys, those that consider yourselves wise, like you are the godly people, you are the ones that Jesus is living in your life. He says, let them show that by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. The essence of what he's saying is this, if you are truly following Jesus, if you are truly wise, it will be shown in your life. True wisdom 
which will always have fruit in our life. And this is good news. This is really cool. Maybe you didn't know this, but to follow Jesus is not just to accumulate knowledge. It's not just to know more. It's not just to understand things better. To follow Jesus is to actually be transformed, meaning my life looks distinctly different. True wisdom, James is saying, will be shown by what we produce. So today, I told us we got three questions and three points to help us understand where where am I right now in my life. Question number one is this. What is my life producing? Simple question. First note, what is my life producing? Here is why this question is of utmost importance. What comes out of me, in other words, what I produce, is always an indication of what is happening inside of me. I'm going to say it again. What comes out of me is an indication of what's going on inside of me. So what is my life producing? Here's the, the point that goes along with it. The fruit of my life reveals the root. The fruit reveals the root. This is, this is a biblical metaphor when it comes to fruit and, and roots. But the point is this. If your life is not producing good things, and I'm not talking about income, I'm not talking about any of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the, 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 the things that we actually leave behind when it comes to our character, how people see us, how people perceive us. The fruit of my life reveals the root. And the good news is this. If I don't like the fruit of my life, the issue actually isn't the fruit. The issue is the root. You see, a lot of us, we get to a place where it's like, you know what? I'm going to try and stop swearing. I'm going to try and stop drinking. I'm going to try and be a better person. I'm, I lose my temper all the time. I don't know what happened to me. I kind of just lost it. You guys been there? And, but I'm really working on managing my temper. I got great news for you. You can stop trying to change the behaviors of your life. Some of you are like, hold on, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. The behaviors of my life are always an indication of something that is deeper. And what happens if we only hit things on the surface, if we only worry about the fruit, but we never get down to the root, we will never experience transformation. Are you guys following? Have you guys ever experienced the people that you would say are transformed by Jesus? You guys ever met these people where like there is something distinctly different about them? Like you come into their presence and you're like, wow, I want a little bit of what they have. You, got, you guys met those people? Three of you? I, I want to encourage you. Get connected to church because you need to find some people that are filled with the Holy Spirit that are distinctly different. And there's something that's like, man, I want a little bit of what they have. And what I have found is that it is not knowledge that is attractive. It is a heart that is transformed. Now, for me, if your heart's transformed and you got some knowledge, I doubly want to hang out with you. But the fruit of my life reveals the root. And so the question is this, what is my life producing? When people think about me, what comes to their mind? What am I leaving behind? Now the question, of course, we're probably asking is like, well, how do I know what I'm currently producing? How do I know how others perceive me? It's pretty simple and it's one word. All of us need constant and continual feedback. We need feedback. We need people in our life that can let us know how I'm actually doing. 
And I want you to understand, here I, I got two issues. Two issues when it comes to feedback in our life right now. Issue number one is this. For many of us in this room, the only person that gives you feedback is you. Self-feedback. I think I'm doing pretty good. The people love me. I'm the best husband ever. Here's the issue with self-feedback. No one is a neutral, no one has a neutral view of themselves. You are not unbiased. And in seasons, you're going to shift. Some seasons, you're going to shift towards pride. And pride is simply, I think, too highly of myself. <laughs> some, and some of us are there right now. Like, I'm the best boss ever. My entire company loves me. How do you know? I just know. I feel it. And there's other seasons where we shift to despair. And to, and to be in despair means I think of myself worse than I actually am. I'm the worst boss. I'm the worst husband. I'm the worst student. I'm the worst friend. So the truth is this. We need feedback. And you are not a neutral voice. So you cannot be the primary person that gives you feedback. Is that making sense? Now, number one, you need a picture of yourself outside of you. And I believe wholeheartedly you need to understand what scripture says about you. You need to understand what God says about you, how he views you, what he says about you. But outside of just the word of God, I need people in my life that can actually let me know how I'm doing. I need feedback. Second issue is this. We want feedback most from those who know us least. So we live in this, 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 this social media, this platform culture, where for a lot of us, the only feedback we have in our life is the people that like our posts. Well, I think I'm doing okay because I gained 100 new followers. I think I'm doing okay because they liked my post. They commented on it. Here's the issue. We give way too much weight to people that don't know us. And people that do not know you cannot give you true and accurate feedback. I need someone that knows my heart and my spirit that can tell me how I'm doing. I've realized this platform up here, the moment I open my mouth, people give me feedback. And the feedback can let me know how I'm doing communicating but what it can never let me know is how I'm doing living. This isn't true. Up here is not a picture of who I am as a person. A number of weeks back, someone came up to me after service, um, and he said, he said, Harrison, he's like, I love um, how you communicate. He's like, there isn't a hint of condemnation in you. Um, and I said to him, I said, you should talk to my siblings. Because <laughs> up here, are you guys following? It's just a picture. It's not who I actually am. So what I need is I need people in my life who know me that can actually tell me how I'm doing. What, what, one, one of the things that, um, it was a quote that I heard, and, and I've, I've stole it as my own. It's my life motto now. It's this, I want to be, no, be loved and respect most by those who know me best. I want to be loved and respected most by those who know me best. If I live for the appro approval of the crowd, as opposed to the crew, I'm already losing. And so one of the things I've realized, Christy and I, we are the most accurate people when it comes to giving each other feedback. She can tell me better than anyone can tell me if I'm being a good husband, if I'm being a good dad, if I'm being a good friend. And so I have someone, and for those of us that are married, God has given you a gift. You have someone that can give you real feedback. Why? Because they know you. Does that make sense? 
So I need people that know me, they can give me feedback. One of the beauties of a church community, because some of us are like, well, I'm single, or, or my husband isn't a believer, my wife isn't a believer, whatever it may be, that's okay. The beauty of a church community is that you are supposed to find people that can actually speak into your life. And so every one of us in this room, you can be a little bit, a little bit louder, Chase, we've got to bring this place up. You need people that can speak into your life. And the beauty of church is that church provides the spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, spiritual brothers, spiritual sisters, people that can speak into my life and let me know how I'm actually doing. I need people, come on somebody, that can let me know what I'm actually producing. Is that making sense? And true and accurate feedback, let's get into some pain a little bit, is not always positive. If the people in our life that give us feedback, it is only always good, you're not getting real feedback. Because none of us in this room are Jesus. So there are things that we can improve upon, and that's the beauty of having people. So James says, true wisdom is life, uh, life lived um, with humility where I'm producing something good. Right? So number one question, what am I producing? The fruit um, of my life. Uh, reveals the root in my life. So what happens if I'm looking at the fruit in my life and it's kind of rotten, it's not that good, what's going on? So he says this, James says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, and we got to see those quotation marks because he's making fun, does not come down from heaven. But it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So the essence of what James is saying, and the church has been quiet so far, it's about to get real quiet for the next 20 minutes. The essence of what he's saying, he's saying when we're holding on to something, to harbor is to hold on. When I'm holding on to bitterness, envy, selfishness, anger, it's beginning to do something in my heart. So first question, what is my life producing? Second question is this, what am I holding on to? What am I holding on to? Bad fruit comes from a bad root. And so when my life isn't producing what I want it to produce, I can pretty much guarantee you there is something rotten inside of us that we are holding on to, that we refuse to let go, that we refuse to let be. So the good news is this. If my life doesn't look the way I want it to look, I don't have to strive to be better. I don't have to try and stop being angry, try and stop swearing, whatever it is. That's the good news. Here's the hard news and the bad news. I got to go deeper. I got to go deeper than the surface. I got to go deeper than the behavior. And I got to figure out what am I holding on to inside of me that is causing this stuff to come out. Now, in the next little bit here, I want the Holy Spirit to really start to speak to us and to say, this is what you're holding on to. This is, this is what you need to, 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 to really pay attention to. Now, for some of us in this room, you know exactly what it is. You already know, Right? Because it's, it's the forefront, right? For some of us, it's a rejection. For some of us, it's, it's real long ago. You were bullied when you were a kid, right? Your, your, your family blew up, whatever it is. Some of us know. For some of us, all we have ever seen is the behavior. 
So we, we haven't thought deeply. We just thought, well, I'm an angry kind of person. I'm just, I'm not patient. I'm, I'm quick-tempered, whatever it is. But here's the truth and why we got to go deeper, why we got to figure this thing out. Whatever you are holding onto is blocking you from your healing. What we are holding to is hampering our healing. Now, there are two ways that most of us hold on to that stuff. And James shows us. He says, James 3, 14, he says, if you harbor <clears throat> bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, he says, don't boast about it or deny the truth. So when you're holding on to something, most of us have one of two tendencies. Number one, he says, those who boast. So I call tendency number one to broadcast. You guys met these people? Some of you guys are these people. And what that means is whenever there is some type of bitterness in my heart, I tell everyone. Some of us have a dedicated night called wine night where we do this. <laughs> and every rotten thing that is within me, I begin to broadcast it. Well, you wouldn't believe what my boss said. You wouldn't believe what my husband did. Like, wasn't that 15 years ago? Yep. You wouldn't believe it. So we broadcast it. Now, the issue with broadcast is broadcast always leads to blame. We are giving control. I am this way because that person hurt me, because they did this. And what happens when we broadcast and when we blame, we become prisoners to the past. And healing becomes impossible. Tendency number two is this. He says, do not boast or deny. So some of us broadcast, some of us bite it. What I mean is this, we push it low. Some of us are like, oh, I've just, you know, I, I don't know how I do it. I'm thick-skinned. It's really weird. Nothing bothers me. It's a lie. It is a lie. Those who bite it is just going deeper. And the pain is just getting larger. One of the ultimate lies of the devil is this. Time heals all wounds. That is a lie. Time only heals wounds if I'm actively pursuing wholeness. But if I'm doing nothing, time doesn't heal wounds. Come on, somebody. It makes them deeper. James says it like this. He says, such wisdom, so, so, so literally that idea, right, that I need to vent. I have to tell everyone. Or this idea, time heals all wounds. I'm an impenetrable force. He says, whatever, whatever you're saying is, you guys following? However you say it, however we lie to ourselves. He says, such wisdom does not come from heaven. And this is the part that's going to wake us up. Come on, somebody. Halloween's in two weeks. It is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That's the part when I read it, I'm like, whoo. Like, I, I don't know about you, but my, my, my mom like a good Christian mom, like, like she literally thought like we'd get possessed by like association. So Halloween time comes around, she's like, close your eyes. Don't look at the fields. Like don't look at the houses. Don't let Satan in. You want to know what's funny? And, and, you know, God bless my mama. She didn't tell me that bitterness is demonic. And bitterness is not a one-month event. Let's go a little bit further. Because like, ah, it's only one verse, Harrison. Ephesians chapter 4, this is Paul, also in the New Testament. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, don't hold on to it. 
Why? He says, do not give the devil a foothold. In other words, when I hold on to these things, I'm allowing darkness. I'm allowing brokenness. I'm allowing demonic thoughts and ideas to penetrate my soul. Now, I want you to understand something, because a lot of us, the things we're holding on to, they carry with it great pain. And some of us are saying, well, Harrison, like, you don't know what was done to me. Some of us have been cheated on. Some of us have been abused. Some of us have been used. Some of us have deep, deep wounds. And we're saying to ourselves, Harrison, you don't, you don't know. I don't hold on to this because I want to. I'm holding on to it because I have to. And I want you to understand that, that that line in and of itself that you have to, that you must, does not come from above. It comes from below. And what happens is this. The more we hold, the angrier that we get. You want to know why angry is the easy, anger is the easiest emotion? Because it's quick, it's fast, and it makes us feel in control. Because when I'm, no one can touch me. It's a lot harder to be sad than it is to be angry. So a lot of us, were sad, but we just we get angry instead. But here's the thing, and here's the lie of it all. Anger makes us feel like we're in control, but it's actually the opposite. And here's the point, because we're asking the question, what am I holding on to? Here's the point in this. When I hold on to something, I'll become bitter. And bitter bones are brittle bones. Bitter bones, come on, I want us to remember this for life. I was driving with Chris in the car, and this line came to my head. And if you want to know, I didn't tell first service, the whole series, Growing Pains, came from this one line the Lord gave me. Bitter bones are brittle bones. Bitter bones are brittle bones. We think anger, resentment, all these things make us strong and untouchable wrong. It makes you the opposite. Offense is a disease that infects and affects the entire body. And the thing about this, this disease known as offense is that even if it occurred in the past, if I do not release it, it will affect everything in my present and it will determine my future. And what happens is whatever I didn't deal with in the past becomes my reality in the present. And so many of us are carrying bags, and some of these bags are 20, 30, 40 years old. Some of them are fresh. But the bags from the past come open in the present and in the future. Now, three places in specific, I believe this shows up. And really, I could give you examples from each. They're all interchangeable, and it all shows up the same way. But I see it three places in three ways. Um, holding on to the past. I see it in church. I see it in relationships. And I see it in friendships. And that's school, work, all the things. Those are the three places you are most likely to see the bitterness, the resentment from the past show up in the present. Can I show us what it looks like? And I'm not doing this to out us or to blast us, but to hopefully help us heal. So let's start with church, because we're in a cool season right now. The Lord's growing our church. Um, and you need to understand something. The number one thing that gets my heart going is when people don't know Jesus, find hope and healing in his name. That's, that's my hope. That's my heart. Um, but I love everyone. Um, and if you came to our church from a different church, I still love you, just not as much. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, I, I don't believe that by any means uh, church has to be a lifelong commitment, meaning if you go somewhere, you have to go there for life. I don't, 
I don't believe that to be true. Um, and I do know that churches, because churches are filled with people, can actually hurt you. I know, crazy. So uh, I'm not here to comment on what happened in the past. I'm here to help you in the present. Does that make sense? But here's the truth. Um, when it comes to why people find new churches, 34% um, of people go to new churches because they've moved, right? Like I live somewhere else. It's the highest. Number two reason people go to new churches at 18% um, is because of conflict. They left because of conflict, because the pastor hurt them or their small group or whatever it is. 18%, which is the second highest number um, for why people find new churches is because of some sort of conflict. Now, I'm not saying you have to stay. I'm not saying it wasn't valid. But what I'm telling you is this. If you do not deal with what happened in the previous season at the previous church, it'll determine, in, in essence, let me say it again, how you left the previous season will determine your effectiveness in the next season. And so what that means is this. If you are hurt in the last place and you do not seek healing, can I tell you what's going to happen in this place? Same hurt. If the last place was horrible because they were mean and they were unloving and they were unforgiving, root, whatever it is, can I tell you what this church is going to be? At the start, best place ever, most loving people ever, best looking pastor in St. Albert by far. Like, that, <laughs> that, like that's, that's what it'll be when you first come here. <laughs> it works every time. Um, but after a few months, come on, somebody, after a few small groups, right, we're like, wait a second, what did, that what did he just say? All of a sudden, all of my undealt with pain and unforgiveness from the past becomes my reality in the present. And what happens is this, I can almost guarantee it, if you have come to this place because of an unhealed wound, the reason you will leave this place is because of that exact same wound. Can, can I get real specific? Again, take us to all areas of life. But one thing I hear is this all the time, um, and I'm proud of it, you know, when, when it's the first half. So people come to our church and they'll say, man, like there's just something different about her. There's an atmosphere. Like everyone is so friendly. Everyone says hello. They want to know your name. Um, and that part is, is amazing, and I love it, and I receive it. Um, but that sometimes they add the second part. And they say, the last place I was at, no one even knew who I was. I, I was there for five years. And when I left, no one said goodbye. And all of a sudden, the temperature starts to raise a little bit. Now, when we first started the church and I was desperate to survive, I said, come on in, bro. Got a little more wisdom now. Um, and I tell people, listen, that pain from the past has to be dealt with. Otherwise, it will become your present right away. Is that making sense? Now, the other place this shows up, and these examples, can all, they're all interchangeable because it's the same principle, but this shows up so much in our relationships, whether it's just dating um, or marriage, whatever it is, and, and you guys know marriage is, is challenging at times, right? You know, you got to go through things. Um, a first marriage, your OG, how many of y'all in the OG marriage? Come on, somebody. Um, the OG, like, it's hard to begin with. Why? <laughs> Don't worry, one day, guys. Um, it's hard because the person that you live with will offend you. 
At some point, they're going to hurt you. At some point, they're going to let you down at some point. And if we don't actively seek forgiveness, it's going to be really hard. Because the pains from your first fight that we didn't deal with end up not even in the next fight, but like just driving to work the next day. Just explodes. Now, that's first marriages. If you guys don't know this, second marriages and third marriages and fourth and fifth. I don't even know the stats for fourth and fifth. If you're there, it's just praying fast. That's all you can do. Um, <laughs> no judgment, though. Um, but what I know is that second marriages um, and then third marriages even higher, um, they end at an extremely high rate. And the point is this. Marriage is hard. Every, I guess, proceeding, what would be proceeding? No, is that the right word? Subsequent, there we go. The next marriage is even harder. And one of the reasons I believe this to be true among many is because for a lot of us, we take all of the pains from our first and we project it to the next. And what happens is this. Most of us get with Dave because he's everything that Jim wasn't. Right? But then what happens over a couple of weeks or a couple of years, you realize there's a whole lot of similarities in humans. And what happens is, I forget who's where, maybe Jim's over here, Dave's over here. <laughs> Jim does something in the future or in the present that reminds you of Jim in the past. And all of a sudden you unload in him not what he deserves, but all that was from the past. Is that making sense? And what happens is, it's because for so many of us we buy the lie that says time heals all wounds. The biggest issue in my life was them. It was the last church. It was the last relationship. Should I even talk about jobs? It's the exact same thing. Our unhealed wounds from the past, the bitterness, the things that we hold on to, if we do not actively seek healing, are going to be with us in the present. So James says, he says, where you have envy and selfish ambition there, you find disorder and every evil practice. So, if you want to understand how the enemy works, it's pretty simple. The enemy is trying to disorder your life. God is a God of order. The tactic of the enemy is to bring in disorder. And one of the ways in which God restores order is through the process of reconciliation. So when things are broke, God wants to make them better. What the devil wants to do is keep broke things broke to keep hurt people hurt, to keep unforgiving people stuck in unforgiveness. And what happens is this, I want, to understand, I want us to understand this so we can be free. The tactic of the enemy is to keep you stuck where you were. To keep that offense, that hurt, that brokenness at the forefront of your mind. And there are so many of us, maybe we know this, maybe we don't, we have a mental notepad out ready and waiting for the next person to offend us, for the next boss, for the next spouse, for the next friend, for the next professor, whatever it is, to do what was done to me in the past. And what happens real quick is that we end up in this time loop. Why? Because bitter bones are brittle bones. You understanding? So we think we're really strong, but we don't realize we're prisoners to the past. We're prisoners to offense, and we get stuck in this time loop. I'm in and out of churches. I'm in and out of relationships. I'm in and out of jobs. I'm in and out of friendships. I want to say something to free you. The problem is you. 
I know, I, I know something was done to you, so I'm trying to empower you. Freedom is in your hand. It doesn't belong to anyone else. And the longer we hold, the longer we harbor, we give away that which I believe God wants to give us, which is freedom. So this is what he says. He says the wisdom that comes from heaven, because that, that, that's the stuff from earth. That's the demonic stuff. He says the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace, I love this, reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, what we want when bitterness, when anger, when resentment is living in our bones, I think is to be peacemakers. I want to be filled with love. I want to be considerate. I want to have good fruit. But he said it is those who sow in peace. So, so to sow is to spread. It means I have to do this actively. Peace is not a one-time thing. Peace must be pursued. And if peace is not pursued, conflict is on the horizon. I could get real into Israel right now, but that's where my mind went in my head. When peace isn't pursued, conflict is always around the corner. And, and that is how a lot of us live in our hearts. We want peace, but we don't sow it. So here's the question, number three. Number one, what's my life producing? Number two, what am I holding on to? Number three is this, who or what do I need to forgive? I could even say it like this, who do I need or what do I need to let go of? What am I still holding that God is calling me to release? Now I know, for some of us in this room, the idea of letting go of that pain is extreme, or letting go of that hurt, that offense, that bitterness is extremely painful. Because you need to understand, forgiveness always costs something. There's a reason when Jesus died on the cross, it was painful. Because forgiveness is painful. It costs something. Now, for some of us in this room, and I didn't hear me, I'm with you. I know that you were taken advantage of. I know that something happened to you that was of no fault of your own. And I do not want to in any way make you feel like you are to blame for what happened to you. But I want you to hear me when I say this. I want you to be free. I don't want you to have to deal with that forever for the rest of your life. And so understand this. Forgiveness is painful, but the pain of unforgiveness is even worse. It's even worse. And so I want us to understand something. Here's the last point. For freedom is found in forgiveness. Freedom is found in forgiveness. Well, how can I forgive, Harrison? It's too painful. It's too hard. It's too much. I want us to understand something. Kim, can we go back to the verse for a second? James chapter 3. He says, wisdom from heaven is full of mercy. Now, if you guys were here last week, if not, you can check it online, but we talked about the mercy of God. And what the mercy of God is simply this. We said mercy is to withhold that which is deserved. So when it came to God, we deserved judgment. We got Jesus instead. We were justified instead. 
And so the heart of forgiveness is also found in mercy and it is found in the cross. The only way that you and I can forgive the unforgivable in people is to realize and to remember that God forgave the unforgivable in me. The worst parts of me, the hardest parts of me, the broken parts of me, on the cross, Jesus paid it all. And what that means is this. We now, in the words of Paul, he says, enter into the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus made us right. So now our job is to make others right. To make ourselves right to get rid of this chasm of offense that lives in our soul. And the only way to get there is the cross. That's, that's our view, that is our vision, to realize that Jesus forgave, so I forgive. Peacemakers sow in peace. Now here's the hard part about forgiveness. I can't just forgive once. Come on, I need us to hear this. Because some of us are sitting here right now saying, I forgave Harrison, it didn't work. I did it once, I'm still there. Peacemakers, he said, sow in peace. So here's the road to reconciliation, here's the road to forgiveness. With every offense comes a theft. The people that hurt us, or even the ones that we perceive to have hurt us, have always taken away something from us. For some of us, you lost innocence. For some of us, you lost trust. For some of us, you lost a family. Whatever it is that was taken from you, you need to understand it. And in this moment right now, I'm just, I'm just praying and believing, Holy Spirit, bring to our heart the big offense, the thing that's keeping us stuck. And show us that which was taken. For some of us, it's the future. I never, I never envisioned a life that I'm gonna have to live, but now I'm gonna have to live it. Whatever it is that God has taken us, here's what we gotta do. We have to let go and release the offense. We have to let go and we have to release the debt, that which we think is owed to us. We have to let it go. And here's the thing. As we go in life, we're gonna have reminders of the things that we've lost. Reminders of the people that have hurt us. And, and if you guys have been in that place where you thought you forgave someone, but then all of a sudden you're in a spot and you feel the exact same pain all over again, and you're like, what's going on? Let me tell you what God's doing in that moment. He's letting you know that it's time to forgive again. It's time to release again. It might go deeper than you think, so you gotta forgive Again, you have to release again. Peacemakers, come on somebody, who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. So let's stand for a second, church. I'm gonna pray over us in this place. So every, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in this space right now, we're just beginning that this is a moment of growth, this is a moment of pain, but it is a moment of healing. So, Father, right now, in this moment, whether it's a person, whether it's a place, whether it's an incident, whether it happened a long time ago or it just happened, Holy Spirit, bring our minds to the place of offense. 
Show us what we are holding, Father. This is not the end of healing, but just the beginning. So right now I want to do something. So every head bowed, every eye still closed. I just want you to just put your hands out. You can put them up, you can put them out, whatever it is, in a sign of surrender. But really, it is in a posture to say, I'm letting go. Wherever it was that God brought you, I'm letting go. So right now, just repeat after me. Just say, Father. Come on, let's say it all together. Father, forgive them. In Jesus' name. So, Father, we're just beginning to believe that freedom is found in forgiveness. This is the moment. This is the place. We thank you for what you're doing, God. We know it's painful in some cases. But we're just believing, Lord, in your name for healing. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.